0: This day for some time. Again, happy Easter. Glad to be with you. Real quick, how many people like peeps? How many people like peeps? Okay. And and you might know, have you heard of peeps jousting? Uh, Parents are going to be real happy I tell you about this. Peeps jousting, you take um, two toothpicks, put one in each peep, hit microwave on, and then they go at it, you know. And so uh, parents, you can thank me later for giving you this advice. Um, But peeps jousting. Um, But that's not what we've gathered. I actually want to talk today, um, get things going, talking about famous tombs. Famous tombs across the world. Uh, the first famous tomb I wanted to show you is from Egypt. Actually, one of the ancient wonders of the world. It is the tomb for uh, Pharaoh Khufu is actually buried here. I can go to Egypt and see that. Uh, next one is located in Rome. Uh, can anyone tell me uh, who is located in this, the biggest church in the world? Anyone know? St. Peter, very good. Um, finally, in, in Illinois, we have this monument. Does anyone know who is buried here? Springfield? Abe Lincoln, very good. Um, This is a flash forward, but here is my tomb. Um, Was that a cheap shot? They do have one of the worst records already. Anyway, okay. Um, But we haven't gathered to consider those tombs, right? We have gathered all around an empty tomb, the tomb of Jesus. Now, about six years ago, I had a chance actually to visit Jerusalem and there visit, the tomb that they think Jesus might have been buried in. It's called the Garden Tomb. Here's a picture of it. And um, we're actually taking a group there in October. You can, to this day, go there and celebrate that a tomb is empty. It's one of the coolest things you can do. And yet, Jesus' tomb is so unlike any of the ones we have considered. And you know why it's different, right? Well, the sign says it's because he's not there. In every other tomb, you can find Abe Lincoln or whoever and their skeleton, their body, everyone's cognizant and sure that they're buried there because their bodies are there. Do you know there's confusion that this is actually Jesus' tomb? And that confusion is because he didn't stay there. There was no remains. And so we've gathered to see what an empty tomb means. And really, this is the pinnacle of the Christian faith, an empty tomb. I'm reminding myself of this day that the reason the Christian church has stayed this long and grown so big is not because of a teaching. There have been many wonderful teachings that have come through the ages and then when the teacher died, the teaching died with it. But Christianity took off because of an event which is the resurrection, the empty tomb. Which gets me thinking about symbols in the church. So often the symbol of the church is a cross. And and I love the cross. The cross is surely important. But if you read scriptures, if Jesus only died and did not rise, the cross would have no significance. And so better, I feel, is an empty tomb. We should get some empty tombs up here. I'm not sure how. Uh, My my daughter recently got uh, her ears pierced and she got uh, crosses put in, that that famous Christian symbol. Here's a picture of it. And I'm just saying, if you're going to do jewelry, maybe this is more appropriate. Um, The empty tomb. So I'm just, recommendation here because the empty tomb is what it's all about. So more power to you. And that is, again, what we've come to celebrate and I'm hoping, whether this is your first Easter or your thousandth Easter, that you will walk away today knowing the power and the significance of what an empty tomb means for your life. That is what I've been hoping and praying for as we consider God's word. So let's get into the story. The story is recorded from Luke, who is an eyewitness of what happened. Luke, who is there on the very first Easter Sunday, and he records what happened. I, I invite you to turn with me now to your worship folders. Page 7 is listed before you. There it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And and these were angels. Um, That's what the Greek signifies. It's a messenger, an angel. In their fright, the women bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, whoever, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. You heard the angel announcement, he is not here, he is risen. May God bless our discussion of these words. I want you to know, do you know what it is to be confused? I think this is the classic picture of confusion. Anyone do the far side graphics? Why won't the door open? And I think confusion is an apt discussion because we just had tax day. And uh, just a quick poll, how many have ever done taxes by hand, the written form? Yeah, and so you know when you deduct the standard deduction, what you get is a migraine, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's craziness. It's very, very difficult. And, and, and confusion is, I believe, as we transition, maybe an apt picture of the spiritual state of things, maybe in America. You see, in America, we are no less spiritual today, but I think have a lot more questions. You know, a microcosm of confusion that's going on in this world uh, was a, a movie called Noah. The movie Noah came out, anyone see this? Um, I actually had to see it, it was fun, it was action flick. Um, it, was, it was fun for me to see what it was like to get all those animals on board. You had the birds and the creepy crawlies and lions and that's craziness. But as one who grew up in church, the rest of the story was kind of a head-scratcher, right? I mean, uh, spoiler alert, but like, why is Noah on a quest to kill babies? That's, that's weird. And that's not the story, by the way. Um, but it just gives an example of how we get so many different messages and so many different stories. And the age we live in is like, well, what can we really trust? What can we really believe? Is Hollywood true? Is the Bible true? I don't know. You know, and so much of the spiritual state could be summed up by this, the question mark. And because of this, we, we've kind of just... Given up, Many believe that as long as you just pick a path to God, whatever, pick work, whatever path works, we call that universalism. Well, if you've ever had questions or, or been confused, I think God's going to work in powerful ways today. Because I don't know about you, but I came here because there's revelation, because there's clarity, because there is a resurrection. He appeared to over 500 people, my friends, and that's what we get to see. We get to see a group of women go from confusion to clarity this Easter. Let's pick up their story again. Look at verse four. What does verse four say? It says, "After they were there, while they were wondering about this. Now literally this means they were confused, they were perplexed. And that is because just days earlier was Good Friday. These women who gathered on Easter Sunday had seen Jesus die. They took his body off of the cross. They felt no breath left inside. They then took that body to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and saw that Jesus had, in fact, died. And so when the women came there, they were expecting a body. They were expecting death. They were expecting the end. But they were unprepared for what was Easter was going to happen. Unprepared for the events of that day. You know, in Chicago, with all the different weather, I think we know what it's like to be unprepared. Um, I, I saw a great picture on Facebook i um, share it with you here. Have you seen this? This is the weather yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it was just like a week ago that, that we had it turn from 60 degrees to snowy in the same day. And so we play hokey pokey with our winter coats, right? I put my winter coat in, put my winter coat out, winter coat in, turn 60 degrees colder, and I'm freezing. Right? And so we know what it is like to be unprepared. Well, that's the women on Easter in their confusion because they don't know what's going on. They have come prepared for that burial with spices. They have come prepared for the end. They have come prepared for defeat. But they didn't know that Easter meant something different. See, what they should have prepared for was victory. What they should have prepared for was life. What they should have prepared for was a new beginning unlike any other. The story of Jesus was just beginning in a new and fresh way. Dear friends gathered here, I think sometimes the way we approach church can be the way the women on that Easter morning approach the empty tomb. I believe at times we can approach this gathering as some lifeless, sad ritual. But, dear friends, We need to know what the resurrection means. And what the resurrection does is it brings clarity to our gathering. That's the first thing it clarifies. Church is a word for gathering. That's the Greek for gathering. And what we are here to celebrate is a victory. What we are here to celebrate is a risen Lord. What we are celebrating is a new beginning because of the resurrection. Easter informs this gathering. And that's what the women would find. And so we turn to them and we hear now how they changed from confusion to clarity. Look at verse 4 once again. Verse 4 says, While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes gleaming like lightning stood beside them. I went back to the first Easter and I thought, how cool would it have been to see an angel, right? And to see these flashing clothes, you know, going off. And I consider what God has left you with this Easter I am that messenger. And I went to Macy's and I couldn't find anything flashing, but I tried to look for my best flashing thing today to be like the messenger, and this is all I got. (laughs) And so what I recognize on this Easter Sunday is that the messenger on Easter is way less cool. But I tell you, the message has never been cooler or greater. Because I share the same one. What is the message now? Let's look at verse 6 and verse 7. It says, He is not here. He has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. I share that same message. And you know what the message is like? It's like that of a lost child. I was reading the news, and interesting news came out of Lincoln, Nebraska, of a mom who lost her toddler boy. She was washing some dishes, not paying attention, and her three year old actually walked out of the apartment. She didn't know where he went. She called the police, and, and thankfully, they found him really quickly. What he had actually done is gone out of the apartment, gone across the street into the bowling alley, and he got himself stuck in this. Now, that is just crazy, and determination. What he was going after was all those stuffed animals. He actually went through the prize tunnel, digging his ways until he was in the midst of all those prizes. Now, the good thing is he was finally released. It took 10 cops who finally played the game, got the claw, and. (laughs) No, someone had the key and released him. But, dear friends, spiritually, we're the same. We're those lost children who at one time or another had wandered away from God. Maybe not in the pursuit of stuffed animals, but in the pursuit of a sinful desire. You see, we all have this sin inside of us, and sometimes it's, I want more money, I want more fame, I want my way over God's way. I I want what I want. And it keeps us locked away from God. But the story of Easter is that our God so loves us, He would not be content to leave us lost but that he would find us. He would do all he could. And that is the message the angels announced and that this messenger announces, that Jesus was handed over to sinners. And when he was handed over to sinners, this was no accident. This was not bad luck. This was an event that was planned before the creation of the world that all history was waiting for this moment, that the Son of God would be handed over to sinners so we could be handed back to God. And so Jesus says to Judas, do what you came for, because Jesus knew exactly what he had come for, for you and I. And the message of Easter that the angels proclaimed and I proclaimed is that he was crucified. Because we were locked away. We were locked and unable to get out, and we needed sin to get out of our way. And so Jesus gave his life on the cross, And in so doing, he eliminated what separated us. He opened the door and he was the key to release us back to our Father. He then proved this passage which says that greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then the final part of this message is that on the third day, on the third day he rose again. And this means that he was death's undoing. This means that all who believe in him will too have an empty tomb. This means all who are gathered in this place have the hope of glory and that is not a fading hope. That is not an unsure hope. This is a certain guarantee that is unbreakable. That is what we've gathered to celebrate this day. Praise be to God for this message. And one of the things I love about this passage is verse 8. Look at verse 8. It says, Then... They remembered his words. The light bulb went on. And so what I see the resurrection doing is the resurrection brings clarity to the message. And see, we live in a world where many other spiritual messages will be, you better find yourself. You better do for yourself. You better rescue yourself. But the message of Jesus coming through the resurrection is he has found you. He has done for you what you couldn't do, and He has rescued you. Dear friends, as I preach this, I hope the Spirit is so working in your heart so you know what this means for your life, that you are saved through the resurrected Savior. And as we continue, I think the final thing I want to consider with you is this, that the resurrection can even make sense of the senseless. You know, we've been in Frankfurt for the last five years and uh, we were at Hickory Creek Middle School and now this wonderful building. And I'll never forget the, the process of starting a church and some of you were there with me. I remember reading and learning what, what church planting would be like. I, I came across one book that said kind of a shocking quote and it's kind of down for an Easter Sunday. Sorry, right? this is kind of a down opinion about starting church and pastoral ministry. Um, here is the quote. It says, The startling premise here seems to be That pastoral ministry is simply not worth it. It doesn't make sense. But then you have the unless. Unless you factor in heaven. Unless heaven is real, let's forget the church and go play video games. And some of you may question, you know, why we even start a church? There are already so many churches and some, some haven't lived on. So why start another one? Do you know Paul said a similar thing? He said, as we already confessed, and if Christ has not been raised... Sorry, I forgot the D. Raised. Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Pastoral ministry, this thing would be of no value. It'd be worthless. It doesn't make sense if he hadn't been raised. But dear friends, is Christ raised? He is risen indeed. And what that means is that this place makes the most sense out of all the world. And this message is something that should be so ingrained in us. If there is heaven, if there is eternity, if it is true, and I believe that everybody lives somewhere forever, then we have no better opportunity, my friends, than to gather together and tell as many people we can that there is love for the lost, that there is hope for those who are lost, that they can be found. And so what I invite you to do is take part of what we're doing here. We are on a mission to reach the lost with the love of Christ. I invite you to come back to use yourself in this this effort. Because, dear friends, everybody lives forever somewhere. And we believe they can live with Jesus because he rose. But I think the resurrection even makes sense of the senseless things that happen in our lives. If you're a believer and you ever question how the, the ways of God work in your life, I saw a great picture of, of how life can seem to be. Here's the picture. We have a plan to go smooth sailing, right? And yet God will allow certain things to come in our lives. And we've all been through the rocks or the lagoon. We know what it is like to be rained on. And at times we just wonder, I, I, I can't give you all the answers, But there has been something that, that I have been just rolling over in my mind the last two months. It's written on my whiteboard in my office. I came across it when I was reading from 1 Peter. And I want to share it with you. It is this passage. It says that your faith is of greater worth than gold. And that means your Heavenly Father values more your trust in Him than your current circumstance. He values more your trust in him than the friends who are around you. He values more your trust in him than who you're dating. He values more your trust in him than the car you drive or the house you live in or the neighborhood you have. And dear friends, I believe he will do whatever. He will do whatever and more if he leads you to trust in him even more, if he leads you to hang on to him even more. Because have you ever been riding your bike and it was smooth sailing? I remember riding my bike and what I would do is I'd test my limits and take my hands off the handlebar. Do you know we can do that the same? That when life is too easy, what we unfortunately do is take our hands not off the handlebar but off of God. And God says, no, it's not going to go that way. And so if you need a pit, I'll give you a pit. If you need a lagoon, I'll give you a lagoon. If you need a ladder, I'm going to give you a ladder because you cannot take your hands off of me. You are going to have to lean into me as long as you live and I won't let it go down any other way. And maybe that's what's making sense of the senseless things happening in your life so that you could be here today. So you could learn with fresh eyes that your God loves you and that he's for you and that he has a plan for you that lasts for an eternity because the tomb is empty. And so, dear friends, may the resurrection even make sense of the senseless things that you don't understand right now. As Jesus' tomb is empty, ours will be someday because of the message the message that the son of god was handed over to sinners he was crucified but on the third day he rose again amen please stand and the peace of god which